Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Well, today we're going to talk about some news and about the thing that I was asked on some emails recently. You know, when uh, so many Western analysts kind of misjudge the beginning of the war and are still misjudging the ability of Russia to just fall apart, well, people asked me, well, what made you think that Russia's going to go for war? And what made you think that Russia's going to fall apart? We're going to deal with that. But um, first... The most important things that are happening at the beginning of the 250th day of the war. The head of the Donetsk People's Republic, Denis Pushilin, stated about exchange of prisoners with Kiev and the formula of 50, of 50 to 50. Ukraine confirmed this. On Sunday, the governor of the occupation of Sevastopol announced an attack of um, this drones on the Sevastopol on the Sevastopol and apparently well we have confirmation that um yeah there are some explosions of some more ships so drones are attacking even now as we speak this morning russia once again struck a massive blow with missiles on the cities of ukraine there are some damages to infrastructure there is uh, almost no running water in kiev and the electricity has been shutting down Obviously, on the front lines, this whole thing has a backup, so it doesn't really have any huge military impact, but, um, yeah, it's unpleasant nonetheless. The armed forces of Ukraine, by the way, state that they have uh, decided, that they have decisively beat down 44 out of 50 of the winged, winged missiles, but, you know, the remaining six, they've caused some issues. Telegram canals uh, are reporting about an explosion in the military airfield in Pskov district in which two uh, two, two surveillance slash assault helicopters have been destroyed in Russia which is interesting because Pskov is well you know quite quite a ways away but still things happen smoking kills apparently Russia now officially stops its participation in the deal about export of grain from the Ukrainian ports. Russia is now blocking the grain corridor, and Ukraine is, has now stopped exporting the, the grain, obviously. Yeah, the predictions about how this is going to go, well, we made some quite 
quite nasty ones earlier uh, in this war. But yeah, the bad scenario... Well, it's slightly delayed, but uh, it's still up there. UK has announced that it will stop buying all uh, all gas from the 1st of January of 2023. Apparently, you know, another way how to hurt Russian economy. And finally, interestingly enough, um, the high, the highest court of Russia had stated illegal the stamp about um, stamp about you know t- has a tendency to lie and cheat in the military military documents. These military documents, local commanders often um, put into these into the tickets of the military documents of those who are conscripted, of those who refuse to go to Ukraine. These have now been deemed illegal. Now that's a bit of a bit of a weird decision, since you know it's Russia and shouldn't expect such things. However, well, maybe maybe they know which way the wind is blowing after all. But now, on a more philosophical note, why I personally thought that. The war was, well, quite likely, even before it started, in spite of many people saying otherwise and, well, me openly disagreeing with a lot of experts here. For starters, I started thinking about the very real possibility of this when year after year, as I've been doing this for, I don't know, eight, nine years at this point, economists of Russian Federation whom I followed, Dmitry Potapenko and others, on various channels, both very chauvinistic and pro-imperial Russia and very, very liberal, they all tended to say one and the same thing, that the economy of Russia looks like the one of a country at war. And then, you know, now it kind of makes more sense, but um, you can understand the tendencies here, and you understand that in Russia there is a massive corruption that's not being fought, that hadn't been fought. They had a lot of projects being unbuilt, a lot of, a lot of kind of spheres of, um, of society that had been underfunded. The salaries of the governmental workers outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg were extremely low. Infrastructure was in crumbles. And everything was just, you know, all the time was just underfunded constantly. At the same time, the Russian government was always running a profit. They were building up their reserves. Every time the central bank decided to just, you know, increase reserves in this or that currency, increase their gold reserves and all that stuff, their their economists were you know, yelling about the fact that this money is not being invested, this money is not being used for economy, this money is just being put away. But, you know, why? Well, this is where the statement that this is how a government at war looks like. Since you need a lot of reserves to be able to fight a war. Kind of makes a bit more sense if you think about it now. Because, well, building up reserves, not caring about their own citizens, that's all quite strange. Another interesting aspect was the pension reform that Putin introduced in 2020. He increased the age of retirement from 65 to 68. And it made no sense at the time, and it made no sense all the while before the war started. See, the effect on the budget was negligible. It was still with a massive profit. However, those pension funds were every year take money taken away from them to be put in the national, national reserves. And... Um, well, a lot of people were just very confused because what's going on there? But however, all these past actions make perfect sense if you take into account that, uh, yeah, Ukraine was supposed to fall very easily, as you as you remember. The three-day plan was very real. It was not a hoax or a trick or anything, no. Putin really thought about this. 
And we can understand that with the addition of Ukraine, the amount of your retired people in your country is going to increase by 25%, then you kind of have to prepare for this so that you know everything would go smoothly. Thus, the increase of the pension age, Putin even took this hit to his personal popularity and his ratings just to ensure that when the Ukraine finally happens and when he gets it, well then, that he's kind of ready for the whole situation. So money aspects always went to the ba- always went to there, and also support for small and medium businesses. Yeah, that was on paper only, because again, the big guys up there in the power rankings they wanted to steal, and you know small businesses they're gonna get conscripted anyways, like just happened. I spoke about this in the last episode. Another thing that's important to take a look at is the dealings with Navalny. When Navalny got into prison and the assassination attempt happened. That looked like a very clear warning about a potential warfare happening in. You see, Navalny, and many people might dislike him, and I have some reserved feelings towards him as well, he still was a guy who destroyed people's political careers. Navalny first showed the movie about Dmitry Medvedev, the ex-president, yeah, yeah, technically on paper, really, but uh, he showed his weaknesses, his love for fancy cars and the latest iPhones and, well, massive amounts of alcoholism. That's also what Medvedev is very well known for. And you see, Navalny, together with with his team, they organized protests, they tried to run in various offices, of course they were never allowed to take any position, the elections were falsified and everything, Putin was very careful not to let them have any real political power. However, you know, it's quite beneficial for the system, which lacks any, any kind of report back with their community, to have such a Navalny in there, even though he hates Putin with terrible passion, because it's at least a way how society can express itself. Less chances of, you know, riots and everything. So Navalny was allowed to do his own things, and the people who were just extra, extra, you know, extra corrupt, which Navalny caught, usually, you know, paid the price. And this was also served as a means of control over the governors and other, you know, lesser beings in the chain, because they now knew that... Um, if they, you know, hurt Putin somewhat, then Navalny's gonna make another, another, uh, possibly gonna make another movie about them, because, well, I do believe that in some cases, with the Navalny's corruption movies, Putin's, Putin's fellows were just, you know, throwing them some information through more or less hidden, um, hidden, sort of hidden ways. Now, the more or less part is, is, of course, dubious, but, yeah, you have to, have to take into account that Navalny's position in the country was always not, not so clear-cut, especially he was very imperialistic when it came to Georgia, and his famous statement that Crimea is not a sandwich to be returned and shifted hands so easily, yeah, also doesn't portray him in a good light, but, uh, you know, the, what kind of country you have, the kind of opposition you have. But still, it exists. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
But you have to understand that Navalny could be only allowed to function with his protest actions and all the stuff that he had been doing during a, during a peacetime. If a war would strike then, then Navalny would obviously be out against it, he would be the center, the focal point of all the protests, he would be running around, and he would be the le- real clear leader of the whole situation of the anti-war movement. Now, Navalny in prison, or better yet, dead, yeah, that's another story. This explains why the whole pointless operation with the Navichok and the, and the underpants and all this stuff, we have an episode earlier on the show about the situation, why that happened. If you look at this from this perspective, then you can clearly see that this was another sacrifice, together with the pension fund, so that uh, the war could probably go a bit easier, maybe. And finally, the sham elections of uh, 2021, when the Putin changed the constitution. This is interesting because, you know, he... Uh, previously had scoured through the Gosduma of everyone who would even vote against something or who could even speak very loudly against some some object, not to give it any attention. But, you know, at that point when Putin changed the constitution, when Putin tried to get renewed for more terms and all this stuff, it happened in the middle of COVID and it's known as, well, the... (laughs) the tree hump vote, because because of COVID, it was stretched for three days, and people literally couldn't go into the election election booths and anything, they had to go, like, you know, outside, sometimes in the parks or whatever, where everything could be easily falsified. He made a laughingstock of his own country and the wider public. This is very interesting, since no one understood why he couldn't have waited until the COVID ends, because, you know, during this whole era, it was just bizarre, Putin could have cheated um, at any time, and his uh, term limit was nowhere near over. You know, it, it wasn't like he had to rush or something. Well, it turns out that it's much better to create such things when there is not a war. If you're preparing for a war, it all makes sense. It all shows you that, well, better to do it now, again, a bit more painfully, than to wait for longer. Right now, you know, even during COVID and everything like that, even if you smuggle these elections and become a laughingstock of the global society... Well, it's still there, and that's one less thing you have to worry about once the war starts. Although you obviously want it to be really quick. It causes extra friction in society, you know. Unwanted friction. Which is, well, quite obvious that he didn't want to do. And finally, well, again, finally, finally, let's talk about the Russian propaganda machine. All the time since, I don't know, 2018 or something, the problems inside the country, well, they weren't very much shown or talked about previously, but everything shifted to Ukraine, to the nth degree. The people, you know, this whole propaganda action that's happening right now, with the Satanists and and the Nazis and all that nonsense that's going around, it all works because the people have been led to believe bad things about Ukraine for years and years now. It's been going on for quite a long time, because all those years Putin has been just implanting into their brains to people, to people's minds that uh, Ukraine is evil, Ukraine must be destroyed, and that they are preparing for war against Russia. And taking all this together, you know, this is why I gave my presidential odds before the war, because if you look at all this together, then it's quite clear to understand that this isn't a normal country. This isn't a country that even is concerned that much with, um, with its own well-being. This is a country that's truly building up for war. And, you know, you kind of have to look in depth for this and look at the Russian sources for this, and these are very rational arguments, if anyone would have just listened to them. But apparently just believing your own pre-built agendas were more important to some people, which was quite surprising to me. 
but now you know. And uh, seeing this information, now I want to give you some additional thoughts about why I believe the Russian Federation as such is going to implode as well, from what we see right now. First of all, first of all after the six months of the war, Russian central government has lost the thing that governments really need the most for successful survival, the monopoly on violence. Max Weber was the first one who put it that the whole government thing is a, well, potential for violence, just a monopoly of it. And um, right now, Wagner Group exists. Tons of local military competent units exist, quite independent from the central structure. And and all this all this stuff is just independent. They're going to go home with guns. Ramzan Kadyrov can team up with Prigozhin and fire a general. Ramzan Kadyrov being just a governor and Prigozhin, well, a businessman who happened to be Putin's chef for a while. Yeah, very unclear. Then they managed to get a general fired. And, you know, Putin starts mobilization, the mayor of Moscow kind of ends it in Moscow for a bit, just, you know, because of the Moscow and the region's whole racism thing that I mentioned in the last episode. All those things, quite weird and interesting. There's a dissonance. There are real positions, you know, official positions of power, and then there are these informal chains of who's in command and why is he in command. That part is also breaking down. Now, if a country that uh, has lost its monopoly on violence and by large part, you know, are, are arming the people who are going to come back home after the war, out of whom many hate you, and where official structure, or where official legitimate power is breaking down, well, below, on all levels below Putin, because everyone's super afraid of Putin, and it's kind of like Imperial Japan just before World War II, when, you know, there's a, many factions, lots of assassinations, and there are lots of assassinations going on in Russia these days, but everyone is claiming to be acting and functioning in the name of the emperor, but ever they hate themselves so much. Yeah, the, the factions below Putin are fighting like crazy. That's not a sign of stability. And this, you know, there, there are probably many more things, but again, to continue what I mentioned from the last episode, the economic inequality, the, the colonial attitude from Moscow and St. Petersburg towards the other parts of this. And now the regional deputies, by the way, just reported from Medusa, apparently have decided that this whole mobilization act in Buryatia, well, there are public statements now that that's a genocide, that's an ethnic cleansing of the Buryat people. It's not left unnoticed. Regions are getting more and more uppity, the power can't mono- monopolize violence, and there are many militant groups uh, fighting for basically various, various leaders who do not really obey central authority local governor can come up and yell at the war commissariat guy about how to run his office and everything. That really doesn't look good. The stability of Russia is being fractured, and the longer the war goes and the painful it is lost for Russia, well then, like I said, we're quite likely to see troubles. And anyone who um, is actively thinking about how to make sure that Russia actually survives this whole situation, oh boy, if they manage to succeed, well, more power to them. Because that's going to be, uh, well, way, way harder task. Because at this point, it really looks like keeping Russia together after the war is going to be very difficult than just allowing it to kind of collapse in a weird manner. But yeah, that's it for today. And if you want to support the show, please consider becoming our patron in patreon.com slash Mortar. Or if you're more of a one-time donation kind of guy or girl please go and click the donate button on the easternborder.lv 
On that site, you could also listen to all of our episodes without ads. The ads are inserted by our host in Sweden, Acast. I have no control over them. I don't know what ads, but but even they advertise. Hey, if you if you hear some interesting ads and want to tell me what ads are you hearing in the country of yours, please message me on Twitter. I'm most easily reached there. But yeah, I'm gonna keep following all this situation and what's going on here. And um, remember, happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.